This is First Contact, stories of the call center. Brought to you by Noble Biz, your one-stop shop for all your contact center needs, both carrier and software. Each show, we talk to industry leaders on how they got their start in the call center industry, because let's be honest, it's not a dream job. Find all our episodes, you can go to our website, that's www.nobelbiz.com. Hit subscribe on our YouTube channel, or follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for future episodes. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of First Contact, Stories of the Call Center. Super excited for you today. We have a great treat. I'm happy to be joined by the CEO of Benchmark Portal, host of Call Talk, and one of the overall top people in the contact center industry. Bruce Belfiore is here with us today. Super excited because if you've ever thought about looking into call center training, benchmarking, certification, this is definitely the area that you really need to focus into. Uh, He's got decades of experience helping contact centers all around the world, reducing costs, optimizing processes, obviously, again, maximizing profits. He's a very busy guy, podcasts, work, educational videos, tons of things that consume him. But here's the thing. He's made time to come spend it with us. Bruce, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Hi, Christian. Well, thanks very much for having me on the show. I'm really delighted to be here with you. Absolutely. And, you know, the theme of the the, the show is really to start off with, what's your story? How did you get into the contact center space? We always have this joke that people go, hey, I woke up one morning and my career aspirations were, let's work in the contact center space. That's not always the case. So we always want to find out what got you here? You know, what's your background? Where did you start? And then what pulled you in and kept you here? Sure. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I have graduate degrees in law and business, and I actually started out in finance, banking, investment banking, and the U.S. and the U.K., and then management consulting with the uh, Bain Group over in Italy. Uh, I'm actually a dual national, both uh, American and Italian, uh, which gives me quite a bit of flexibility, actually, as well as opportunities to uh, consume really good food and wine. <laughs> so it's, it's a good background to have. And I was also a CFO and COO. And really, Christian, all of these experiences showed me the importance of customer service in different contexts. And while I was in Italy, uh, a friend got me interested in contact centers, uh, an area that I didn't know anything about at the time. This was back in the 90s, and I just found it fascinating. And that led me to, lead, to uh, meet uh, Dr. John Anton and Professor Richard Feinberg of uh, Purdue University. And they had started the first benchmarking of call centers back in 1995. And I loved the analytical component of what they were doing. So I joined the effort. Uh, we now have a ton of data, a ton of experience uh, helping contact center managers uh, take their metrics and interpret what they need to do to become more competitive, both in terms of costs and in terms of uh, quality to become truly excellent in their industry. So it kind of brought together the finance background, the um, analytical background that came from the consulting. And also, I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I'd worked for a lot of large companies, and this was a great opportunity to do something new and entrepreneurial, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, that's great. And I think when you talk about being able to measure things, and that helps you manage the business, and you go back to the data, right, which is really important, but you really have a big focus on training. 
I'd love to know more about from your perspective, what made you choose that training was something that was something critical, one of those pillars for the business. And how did you approach that specifically? And what is it that you do and offer in the training space? Okay, no, that's a great question, Christian. And wow, yeah, uh, training is really so important. Uh, one of the things we discovered when comparing the benchmarking results of top centers against average or lower quartile centers is uh, the quality and quantity of the training that they have actually. Uh, people would say to us, okay, now you've benchmarked us, you've shown us where we really stink, what should we do about it? And so many times it came back to training. So we ended up developing a curricula that became the College of Call Center Excellence. And uh, we provide curricula that are really super rich in best practices uh, for all levels of contact center professional. And our manager training has been going strong for over two decades. Uh, we've added courses for workforce management, quality assurance, uh, coaching, supervisors, and agents. And, you know, all of these are important professional levels inside the contact center. People should be trained as contact center professionals, as customer service professionals. That's our belief, and that's what comes through the training that we do. And, you know, all of those courses can either be taught in person, live online, or on demand. And uh, actually, we finished up the last on-demand course just before the pandemic hit, Christian. Of course. Oh, boy, the timing on that was really good, and they become super popular. Um, you also asked about our approach. Well, we leverage really this long experience in contact centers and training, and we funnel the great content we've learned into the curricula. Uh, and uh, in terms of development and delivery best practices. And naturally, the courses address themes that are common across all contact centers. Uh, but we can help managers develop specialized curricula for their specific centers if we're asked to do so. So we, we really love teaching, you know, the, the Purdue uh, University uh, origins of our group really uh, have stuck with us. And uh, we've actually started many of our best relationships with companies who have started off by using our courses. So, um, you know, in fact, if anyone listening to this program is interested in trying out one of our courses, they can come to our website, input the promo code NOBEL20, and we'll give them a 20% discount on the courses valid through the end of 2021. So happy to make that available, Christian, if that's okay with you. Well, that's awesome. And I think anyone who's listening can absolutely take uh, that code. Uh, you heard it, Nobel 20, get 20% off on a, a program. And look, um, when I look at training and, and I sit there and go, everyone says they have training, right? Everyone says, I have a training program. I, I onboard, I have training. But what do you think from your perspective, what have you seen is the biggest lacking in training? Is it the fact that they don't do enough training for a long enough period? They don't have ongoing training? The training of itself is too one direct, one dimensional where it's just at somebody versus with them. Anything that you could throw out as a nugget of stuff that people should take into account when they go, why would I even consider more training? My training sufficient enough. Right, and, and in some cases it is, but the, the uh, things that we see are really all over the board. So in some cases, there's not enough training in other cases, it seems to go on forever and doesn't seem, it isn't really necessary to do it that long. It just needs to be done more efficiently. So the main thing to do is to make sure that you're choosing the right people for what you want to do. 
That is to say, people who can be trained, because not everybody is meant to be a customer service representative or supervisor or anything else. And so you need to make sure that the uh, raw material, the human raw material, if you will, is, is appropriate to begin with. And then do things that are in keeping with good uh, learning practices. So don't throw the kitchen sink and everything at everybody all at once and expect it to stick, because it won't. We all know that things will you know, fall off over time. So having uh, a process that's appropriate for your center and that includes, uh, for instance, generalized soft skills training, uh, as well as the uh, specific training for your center, make sure that people can absorb it, uh, talk to them about it as you go through the training, make sure that they're in fact absorbing it, uh, always be open to questions, uh, because in some cases there's kind of a forced march and people feel like they're being, you know, pushed down a funnel instead of opening up, that opening them up to really the, um, the, the, the great aspects of being a customer service uh, professional. So those are the things that I'd say, you know, you need to look at. And the other thing is to ask, ask them how they're doing as they go through the process. Ask them if they have... Um, you know, absorb things, what they like, what they don't like. And then after a certain period of time, test. See if they are, I mean, obviously you're testing all the way through, but then also see uh, sometime after the training, whether it has stuck or whether you have to do some uh, refresher training. Totally makes sense. Closing the loop, feedback, and then obviously making sure that it's, the information is retained, right? Because uh, otherwise, it's great that they knew it right away, but then a month, two months, three months later, if that stuff isn't being reinforced or remembered, then it kind of defeats the purpose. You get that bump, and then all of a sudden that, that drop. So let's talk about benchmarking, right? You know, we understand that you're one of the top benchmarkers in the contact center space. Um, you, you say, hey, we have one of the first and largest databases for the metrics and contact center pretty much anywhere in the world. So what does that even mean? And you know, how did that even come about? Yeah, no, it's, it's a fun story. Um, we actually started as a student project, believe it or not, at Purdue back in 1995, okay? So there were a ton of paper surveys that were mailed out to a mailing list of call center managers, asking them to please input all of their metrics, things like average speed of answer, average talk time, average after call work time, first contact resolution, all that sort of thing. And uh, many of these, most of this information came directly from ACD reports, uh, management reports that the centers had. Then what we did was to take all that wonderful information, put it into a database and work with the numbers uh, to then come up with averages and uh, send back participants with a report showing their metric side by side with the average. Okay. Over time, this became more sophisticated. Uh, information is now input online or else sent automatically from the ACD to us without human intervention, which of course makes things easier. Uh, and we have about 40 industry separate sectors so that you're compared against uh, contact centers in your own industry. It's not the whole world. It's for instance, if you are in the life insurance industry, you're going to be compared to life insurance uh, industry company, uh, companies and call centers. And um, so it, it's very apples to apples. It's useful to see how you stack up against your competitive peers. Uh, and when I say competitive, I mean, this is also we have government sector and nonprofit. 
And if you're in those sectors as well, you should be comparing yourself to see how you're doing, uh, because it's just professionally the right thing to do. And we've gotten very good at pointing to areas of weakness. Okay, so in some cases, your side-by-side -side metric shows uh, a delta over to the side. It's in green, it means you're doing well, and that's good. Uh, if it's in red, it means you're doing worse than the industry average. And that's something you should really focus on uh, in order to see what you can do. So one of the things we've done a lot of is to map those negative gaps over to people, process, and technology issues that, in fact, uh, can move that metric. Okay, so the idea is uh, it's, you don't just benchmark and put it on the shelf. You benchmark, see where you're not doing well, and that starts a very creative and very positive process of figuring out what you need to do to improve those by changing your people, process, and technology uh, you know, ways of doing things. And uh, you know, the benchmarking shows you where to focus, and the methodology really brings you to the people, process, and technology issues that will then help you become uh, an excellent center and do the best you can. Well, that's huge, because if you think about it, if you're an outsourcer and you're competing for business, it's very easy to know how you're benchmarking against your direct competition for the business you're trying to get. But when you don't look at it from that perspective, if you're just a retailer comparing yourself to another retailer and healthcare to another healthcare, government to government, nonprofit, so on and so forth, um, you only have your internal metrics or external metrics that you pull in to try to see how well you're doing towards your goals or towards the business um, uh, outcomes. But when you have these benchmarks where you're able to see how you're faring towards other people that do similar work in a similar space, you can start to see maybe there are areas that you can improve. And there's that old saying, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So until you actually start to see some of that stuff, then you can do something about it. And I think that the people process and technology part was huge. Um, when you start seeing that there is an area of improvement, then now you have to go, well, where do I find the places that can improve that? And where are the biggest improvements that I can do right away versus long term? And I think when you talk about all the stuff from the training and the benchmarking, it's great. But now we got talk about that third pillar you have, certification, right? You have this a program that allows contact centers to be certified, and you had mentioned over 40 verticals. So how does that work, and why is that important to be certified, and what do you get from that? Okay, no, uh, great question. Let me start out by saying what the certification takes in in terms of uh, statistics, the statistical background of it, and then we can talk about what it means afterwards. So. What we do is to divide the performance metrics into two baskets. Uh, there's the efficiency, the dollar-related metrics, and the effectiveness, or quality-related metrics. Uh, for example, uh, calls per agent per hour, average talk time, those are efficiency, cost-related metrics. The better you do on them, uh, the more your costs will be down. And customer satisfaction, abandon rate, average speed of answer, those are quality metrics. They're perceptible to the customer. And they will be the sorts of things that, uh, if they're bad, they can actually drive people away. Uh, and they'll go, you know, you have to wait too long to get somebody, you abandon, you go to the, the, the competition. You don't want that to happen. And uh, so we take the basket, each basket of metrics, we put them through expert formulae, and we come up with a um, efficiency index number and an effectiveness or quality uh, index number. And we plot these on our proprietary 
four-quadrant matrix. And the efficiency index is plotted on the x-axis. So think of this, and if you are uh, in the, uh, the, the right-hand side of that, then you're more efficient than the average for your industry. Okay, so that shows you you're performing in a superior manner. On the quality side, that goes on the y-axis. And if you're above the y-axis, then at that point, right, that's the, yeah. Okay, so you're, you're plotting on this axis over here. So if you're above, then you're uh, superior in terms of your uh, quality. If you're below, you're inferior compared to your industry standards. So if you're in the upper right-hand quadrant, it means that you are, objectively speaking, uh, performing in a superior way to your industry. So those people are eligible for certification under our program. And managers love this because it is not just a checklist certification, where if you do things the way I say you should, uh, then you get certified, but rather if you, objectively speaking, are performing in a superior fashion against your industry peers, then you get certified. So it's uh, really a results-oriented certification rather than a checklist oriented uh, certification. And so centers that have been certified with us include companies like GE Health, Canon, New York Life, uh, MetLife, Mayo Clinic, IMED, uh, Delta Dental, Lincoln Financial, United Healthcare, Samsung, TriWay. I mean, there, there's quite a few. You can see them on our, our website. And uh, many of them, once they do get certified, also will issue press releases and will celebrate the fact with their uh, with their contact center people. So um, they, they get to use the Center of Excellence logo, and um, you know it's, it's really quite an achievement. I remember Christian one time going to uh, Harris in uh, Las Vegas, and they had gotten certified. They asked me to come and just explain to the agents right what this really meant in terms of uh, what they had done and the standards that they now had to live up to. And there was above every uh, cubicle a uh, certification logo that was hanging down. And I just thought this was great. It was, I said to the manager, I said, why did you do that? And she said, because we want everybody who comes in every morning to have pride in what they have done and to realize that they have to live up to uh, high standards. So a lot of it has to do with objectively doing uh, numerically important things, right? But also, it has to do with uh, bringing up the morale and uh, really the human potential within the center. That's awesome. And, and when you look at it from the perspective of outcomes, right, you had mentioned one thing, you know, people take pride in the work when they see that they're living up to a certain level of excellence, right? But do you see other benefits that happen as a byproduct of you making that, you know, top right-hand quadrant when you hit those quality and, and performance and, 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 and measurable outcomes for you to get certified? Because it's not just I passed the test and I did the work. It's I'm meeting and exceeding what the average is for where I'm at um, in my vertical. When you look at that, do you see anything quantifiable from the business outside of like just let's say everything from retention to performance KPIs improving to reducing costs to just having less people uh, missing work, you know, morale. Do you see things like that that you're measurably able to see? Yes, yes, actually all the things you just mentioned uh, we have seen happen. And in one case, for instance, uh, we suggested as one of the things that they needed to do because they didn't get certified at the beginning, 
sometimes it takes a while to get certified, but that's okay. It's a continuous improvement process that's really very healthy managerially and uh, organizationally for call centers to actually go through this process. And, you know, there's the, uh, you find out how you did, then you discuss and uh, discern what it is that you need to do better. Then you pick the improvement initiative and start with the low hanging fruit, right? The things that are going to be easiest to do at the least cost. And then you impl implement and then you uh, measure again and uh, do some calculations to see how much money you've saved and how much your uh, customer satisfaction, for instance, has improved. And, um, you know, we can, you can also do, um, if, if you've actually taken an initiative where you've spent some money in order to improve things, you can do an ROI analysis. And senior managers love that. <laughs> it's right up their alley, right? And, uh, and, and it also, in many cases, it has brought uh, contact center managers into the inner circle of senior management because it teaches them the, uh, the language and the techniques that allow them to uh, claim a space at the, the senior management table. Because why? Because they're adding value to the enterprise. And think about it, Christian. What's more important than the front line of the company and communicating with your customers, right? We are so important. We sometimes undervalue ourselves as an industry, but we're really so important. And if you, uh, in fact, can make sure that your contact center is the leading edge of your competitive strength, uh, that's a huge thing. Yeah, I think when I look back and I sit there and say, let's look at products and services, more often than not, you're not always interacting with the brand for that product or service. You're just enjoying or not that service or that product. The contact center in many ways is for many people, the first time they actually experience the company that produces that product or that service. And that's where you could literally improve lifetime value or you could destroy that relationship and send them off to your competitor. And if that's where you're not spending the time to look at how you're doing against other people in your space, right? How you're able to see how people can get onboarded properly, quickly, and retain that information. And then from there to be able to let those people you just said, all the managers, supervisors, all the people that see data all day long, but they have to be able to justify why do we do what we do versus this is what we've always done, right? How do we make improvements beyond just what we don't know uh, is really critical. Now, obviously, Benchmark Portal hasn't been doing all of this from day one. I know you had mentioned early on you were doing some things around the database. You've done training and are doing training and certification. Do you have a little kind of brief history of like, did this all happen at one period of time within like a year or two and you've been doing it ever since? Or has this evolved over all the years? It's evolved over the years, and I think in a sense we mirror what we do with uh, contact centers because it's, it really is a continuous improvement type of approach to things. So, uh, you know, finding out what uh, is needed, in, the, in our case, finding out what our, our industry needs, and then trying to supply something that's really going to be helpful to managers so that they can get better and better. Uh, and then, you know, keeping that uh, virtuous circle going. Um, so, you know, after the first benchmarking exercise at Purdue in 1995, uh, the courses started a few years later. Uh, we were doing a good bit of consulting by 2000. Then certifications uh, began a year or two later, and we've grown since then. Uh, we also publish industry reports that are used by all of the major consulting firms like McKinsey, Bain, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, and we've launched uh, automated benchmarking, which is called iBenchmark. So this is exciting, it's new. And the great thing about iBenchmark is it reduces the amount of time and effort it takes to benchmark. Uh, because data flows directly from the ACD to our database under a patented process that we have. So we're the only ones who can do that. So it's really cool for uh, time-strapped managers. And as I say, we're, we're launching it now. Um, also, just another thing that uh, your listeners probably should know about is that we launched our free learning channel on YouTube. So anyone can access a lot of instructive short videos on best practices in call handling and in defining metrics and other topics of interest. And um, if you just go to our website under resources and find the learning channel, uh, it's blossomed. And what's happened is that a lot of managers and supervisors are now pushing out these videos to their employees uh, to use as part of training and coaching activity. So for instance, one of them is on, you know, how to uh, calm down angry customers. Uh, another one is, you know, how, how to connect with customers. There's a whole bunch of soft skill, uh, very, you know, well-defined areas. And so if there's somebody who is having an issue with those soft skills, then we're finding that supervisors or uh, whoever's doing the coaching is now, you know, suggesting that somebody look at this uh, video because it's something also they can go back to if they need to sort of reinforce it. And they can do that in between coaching sessions. So it becomes also something that's very efficient, uh, but also has a, a lot of best practices in it. And as I say, that's that's totally free. People are uh, welcome to do that. Well, that's great. And let's talk a little bit about those videos. Uh, you get to see how many people have seen the videos. And then you also know from the content what you feel is the most important from your perspective. Hey, these are the videos you really need to focus on, or this content is great. Have you seen alignment between the amount of people that are sharing, watching the video content, aligning with what you think is the most important? And if so, what videos are those? And if not, was that surprising for you to see? Actually, uh, we, it, it turns out, I mean, we were wondering about that sort of thing, but no, we are finding that it is the, uh, the, the, the okay, so for instance, we have the metrics uh, videos that explain metrics. Those are mainly used by, by managers, right? And there are mm -hmm. many fewer managers in the world than there are contact center agents. So uh, while those probably have big impact for the people who are watching them, particularly new managers who are saying, geez, I've heard this metric, but I really don't know what it means. Uh, yeah. I can read it in the benchmark portal glossary because we have this long glossary, but we find that people like to listen to stuff rather than read these days, right? So mm -hmm. they can do that by doing it. But in terms of numbers, it's really the soft skill uh, agent um, ones that have to do with connecting with clients, sort of handling calls, uh, and uh, being as present and as good as you can be. Those are the ones that are getting the most. And um, we're still issuing them. So there's still new ones coming out all the time. Great. So let's kind of pivot to call center empathy training, right? We've talked about it previously in the show. We talked about emotional intelligence. You just mentioned soft skills. Well, what's your take on that? What's the best way to provide adequate empathy training for agents? And especially since we just ended on agents being the ones that watch the most amount of videos, what's your take on that? Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, it, it can be, a, I think it's, it's really important. Uh, it's oftentimes overlooked. 
Uh, we don't always screen for people who have the best probability of being empathetic. And what I mean by that is, uh, going back to what I said before about the best human raw material, when did you take in to your center? You know, there you can do screening for personality traits as well as for communication style. And, um, you know, depending on what kind of sector you're in, that can be important. I mean, obviously, uh, it can change also from sector to sector. So if you're in the hospitality industry, uh, it's going to be different, perhaps, than if you are hiring somebody for um, tech support, right? Uh, those, you don't have to have the same necessarily uh, skills or approaches or personality type on the tech support side that you might want to have somebody have for the uh, hospitality and travel industry. So, um, you know, and you can address it also on two levels. Uh, there's an adequate level and a sophisticated level in terms of that empathy training. Um, adequate training is what most centers do, and it teaches the agent more or less to recognize the issue and get a feel for the communication style and mental state of the customer, um, even though it's uh, not always expressed as well as it could be. Uh, and, and then you obviously leverage those insights to show some genuine empathy to the, for the customer. And you know, here, if you have the right person there, it's not a put on, they're, they're genuine. They, people in customer service roles who are meant to be there are people who love to give that kind of service. So it's genuine for them, and that's good. Uh, you know, a sophisticated level of empathy can require more training and recognizing the personality type and the communication style of the, uh, the person that they're talking to and actually use that to either mirror or to guide the conversation in a way that's going to have the, the best outcome. So when we talk about empathy though, and you had give some examples where it's more important potentially overall if we're gonna paint a broad brush and then other times where maybe there's other skills that are more important in that environment. But have you seen from an ongoing perspective, what is it that you have to do to make sure that people are actually being empathetic on calls? I mean, because obviously you're not listening to every call or how do people know that in situations where empathy is actually the thing that probably would have made a better outcome for that call was the thing that you were missing. Any insight into what you've seen or manage or teach or have people doing to be able to measure that or see that that's even happening post-training? Right. Oh, um, great question. And so one of the things that obviously helps out a lot is if you have post-call uh, surveys. And uh, hopefully post-call surveys that are taken up by a reasonably uh, large percentage, I mean large percentage, still a small percentage, but as many as possible uh, of the people who are uh, coming on the phone. And that way you can actually match your coaching to what the customer said, which is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, and what we've seen is the most sophisticated centers, Christian, have both very heavily relied on the customer satisfaction feedback, right? Um, and let me make one distinction too, if I can put in a parenthesis here. Sure. Use that for coaching purposes appropriately if you are doing small, smaller samples. If you're actually going to judge the agent on it for purposes of promotion and pay, et cetera, et cetera, then you as a manager 
owe it to the uh, to your agents to get a statistically significant sample over the course of a year to do that. So if you're finding that you're going to use, you know, uh, two a month for so 24 at the end of the year, and then you're going to actually use that for promotion, and you know that's all you've done. That, that's not a statistical sample. You should not feel good about that as a manager. On the other hand, if you have a statistically valid sample, you know you've got two, three hundred um, of these over the course of a year, then you know you can feel much better about using it for that purpose. I'll close that parenthesis and just go back to saying that um, the the empathy training there is something that uh, can be done, as I said, for coaching purposes, even with small samples. And um, one of the things that will happen in some cases is that people will actually get good re response on their customer satisfaction, but the coach will still feel that they are not having the kind of inflection or empathy that they are looking for as part of the branding of the company. They want them to be even more so. And that's a tough one for the coach. And the best thing that can happen, and I said, one of the reasons we did these videos is because sometimes I say, well, look, don't just listen to me. Uh, you know, listen to this video. Maybe that can convince you what you need to do in terms of uh, managing the call and managing the customer contact in a way that will be more fruitful. Totally makes sense. A famous African proverb says that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And how true is this for the contact center industry, where business partners that you can call friends are so rare? At Noble Biz, we made it our mission to travel far and wide with our partners. As a complete telecom services provider, with an experience of over 20 years in the industry, Noble Biz offers the only voice carrier network designed with the sole purpose of serving call centers, big or small. Because our goal is to become the ultimate provider for the contact center industry, service quality is on top of our priority list. We will guarantee crystal clear voice quality, legal backup, smart routing, 99.9% .9 uptime, high-grade security, and an easy setup. At Noble Biz, we are confident to affirm that we have the best cost per minute in the entire contact center industry. Do you have any doubts? Get in touch and find out. Learn more about the Noble Biz voice carrier network on www.noblebiz.com. I want to kind of pivot a little bit because there's something that you do that's pretty unique. Um, outside of everything that you're talking about here. But on LinkedIn, you've mentioned that for contact centers and the nonprofit sector, that you offer discounted service to them. And it's to help them assist in fulfilling their charitable mission, which is in your own way, kind of just helping out charity and doing your part in that to help enable them to deliver their mission, which is awesome. But do you have any examples of people that have taken you up on that offer that have had good outcomes and something that you're proud of? Absolutely. Uh, actually, that's something that uh, is very important to us. And if anybody's listening who, with a nonprofit, uh, you know, we will give you discounts and we will try to work with you. And, uh, you know, we believe in, in what so many nonprofits do. 
Uh, I'm an assistant scoutmaster. Uh, I started back when my son was in scouting and I've just continued. And, uh, you know, I think giving back is really important. And so that's one of the things we do as a company uh, to give back. And uh, I think of, for instance, uh, the County of Los Angeles Mental Health Helpline that sent people to our courses um, so that they could get the training that they needed and uh, got a wonderful response from them in terms of what that meant uh, for them. Uh, I'm a Rotarian as well, member of Rotary, and so Rotary has actually been certified by Benchmark Portal. And I think you may know that Rotary is a worldwide organization, nonprofit, uh, that is dedicated to doing, uh, basically building community uh, in every community where it's, uh, where it's present and to doing good things uh, in other places. They have done more to eradicate polio in the world than any other organization. And they've been joined by the Gates Foundation now and by others. But really, that started the eradication of polio in terms of a large-scale effort started with uh, Rotary. And so uh, those are the kinds of things uh, and kind of organizations that we're really happy to help out with and uh, you know, happy to help with others as well. Some of them are in the um, uh, sort of the hotline, mental health hotline areas, and um, you know, others also in the healthcare area. So, uh, for instance, the uh, foundations that are involved in that. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of those areas have also been critical during the pandemic, right, for a variety of reasons. Um, and with that said, you know, I'm sure that you've come across scenarios uh, during the pandemic that really highlighted uh, what contact centers could do, how people come together, how individual people within the contact center become heroes. With that said, do you have any particular stories or situations that you ran into during the pandemic or even till now that really showcase some of these things? Well, we did, um, we're going back to February, March of 2020, um, when people were really scrambling, trying to figure out what to do because they had just been told you have to send everybody home. Uh, you remember that time, I'm sure, Christian. And so we uh, put together very quickly a town hall and uh, we got three managers uh, for different size companies. And um, it was really very, very uh, good in terms of the content because they gave great advice on what they did, what worked and what didn't work, and also the feedback that we got on it. So, you know, I think, uh, Christian, in this area, a lot of it has to do with sharing. And so what we've done is to try to listen to our uh, clients and our user base, if you will, and then to uh, you know share appropriate best practices with the industry through the things that we do, including call talk, etc. You know, for a lot of people, the pandemic meant working remote. Not everybody, of course, but for a lot of people, that that was not the norm. That became the norm, and for those that were already doing it, they found some changes. Anything in particular at Benchmark Portal, or even for you, Bruce? It really impacted what you did as a business because of the pandemic? Well, as a business, we've always been um, a distributed organization. So I, in, in, with the kind of things that we do, I just look for the best talent wherever they happen to be. So we have colleagues uh, going from New England to California, and then we also have some colleagues overseas as well. So we've always been sort of a distributed organization. The uh, uh, employees we had here in Santa Barbara, California, where we're based, obviously had to go home and still are. Um, and it worked out. I mean, it, it turns out that it, it, it works out. 
And I think that, um, you know, what we found was that um, the advice we'd been given, giving to others, because we've been giving advice about at-home agents way before the pandemic. And um, so the concepts that were embodied in that changed in the sense of having to become more urgent. Uh, before it was, you know, take those people who uh, are doing really well, that you've acculturated in your brick and mortar center and allow them to work from home, give them the flexibility, uh, do, you know, make sure that you have proper supervision of them. But, you know, this is definitely something that's a good thing to do and you'll probably find out you get greater productivity from it. Um, and it, now it turned into sort of a mass thing. Uh, but it worked. And in many cases, as you know, we, we've done studies uh, since then, and uh, the latest survey showed that uh, for the survey group, 15% of uh, agents were working from home before the pandemic. There was 80% at the time of the survey, which was in, in February, and that people expected post-pandemic, it would still be about 50% of people working from home. Uh, but, you know, still deciding what to do on that. Yeah, and I've heard the hybrid model being embraced, you know, not all or nothing. There's some form of hybrid, depending on which agents, representative supervisors work well in-house versus what the client or security concerns or whatever is required for at home versus inside. But, you know, you had mentioned uh, training at, at home. Let's talk about the contact center agents that work remote. Let's talk about how do you actually train them correctly and efficiently? You said you were doing it before the pandemic, so obviously there was a sense of urgency, you said, but how did you go about telling people, hey, this is what you have to do to effectively and correctly train people to work remote? So with the, the training, uh, the curriculum was already there, right? And what it had to do was go from a classroom situation to an online, uh, live online situation for the centers. Um, and that can be enriched with on-demand uh, certification courses. So mixing those appropriately so that you get the uh, live online uh, training that gives the information, has the testing so that people actually know what to do, uh, ties in. One of the things I didn't mention is tie this training in as, uh, you know, really closely to obviously the knowledge management system, which is extremely important and something that people have to do. Um, you know, all of those things. And then being, considering yourself as a trainer, somebody who's sort of always available to help out. Rather than, you know, I go into the classroom in the brick and mortar thing and I take care of what I have to do and then, you know, that's it, over to the uh, supervisors and the managers to take care of them. Uh, you have to be more available, I think, as a, uh, as a training. And um, also keep your eyes open, your ears open, and figure out what you need to do to improve over time. Running a contact center these days takes a great deal of courage and resilience. Noble Biz applauds and salutes the contact center community for not giving up and fighting the good fight, working to set contact centers on the road to success. Our contribution 
consists in providing one of the most versatile and cost-efficient omnichannel solutions on the market, called Noble Biz OmniPlus. Take your contact center to the next level with Noble Biz OmniPlus. Get instant access to a full-range selection of channels, from voice calls to SMS, and from email to WhatsApp, Twitter, or Telegram. Get control over the external factors, with the possibility to switch from an on-premise team to a remote system in just a matter of hours. Get integrated compliance support, advanced reporting, seamless agent dashboard, and many more high-grade features. All in just one product, NobleBiz OmniPlus, a crisis-proof solution for scaling operations. So when we talk about the database that you had, I know we talked about what's made of and how you use it, but seeing now going forward, let's kind of talk about what are you seeing from your database and your experience and what you're seeing metrics wise and how they're shifting and what people are doing. What do you see trending right now in the industry and where do you see it going? Anything in particular you can share with our audience from your side? Um, yeah, so what we're finding is that, you know, there's a lot of people we're not benchmarking back 20 years ago, are benchmarking now. And so they know what they need to do to get better. And the uh, level of management sophistication is much higher now than it was 20 years ago. So there's going to be sort of a, um, an effect where the uh, low-hanging fruit is starting to run out, if you will. So the, uh, the first call resolution rates, for instance, went up 10% uh, in the decade from about 2005 to 2015. Now they've, it's pretty much uh, leveled off. In a number of other uh, areas, we've also seen that happen. And uh, one area where things continue to uh, proceed is where the automation of calls. So the number of calls handled by the IVR. And now we have to say the IVR and uh, virtual agents. There's a, you know, a half a dozen terms that's used for automated uh, assistance on calls. But uh, basically that continued, that it, the majority of calls for some time actually have been handled by the IVR uh, or slash uh, virtual agents and, and that's continuing. I think we'll continue. Got it. And so when we talk about, you know, multiple channels, omni-channel, not everyone does it. We Everyone talks about it and talked about it forever. But still, there's a lot of data that's siloed, a lot of systems that are siloed, a lot of technology that is bolted on over time. And then there's obviously adoption of systems that have a lot of this stuff in it already. From a benchmarking and metrics perspective, did you see that it was like, hey, this is improving because people are getting better at it and they're adopting it? Or do you still see that there's maybe not best practices yet of really truly embracing omni-channel other variations where you could sit there and go, this is how I can properly benchmark because I'm benchmarking not just what I'm seeing, but what could be done to optimize these things and get better performance or better outcomes. You got any insight in what you're seeing in those developments? What we're seeing is a mixed picture. So uh, the idea is that we have been uh, big proponents of uh, knocking down silos for a long time, and this is silos in every direction, but uh, that also includes the, uh, the the channels. So, for instance, I can remember going into a center some time ago that was a contact center just for calls, and uh, working with them to make have them also work 
on uh, everything from uh, emails to chat to social media. And so what they did was to actually rotate people through these things. And it was a good way of finding out what people were best at as well. And um, in fact, there were two people who were monitoring social media. It happened that in their case, it was very important to do that. And um, so they would basically rotate through that, that everybody got to understand that customer contact is a multi-channel thing and it's an omni-channel thing. And uh, they said, okay, we might not have, this is an important point, Kristen, we might not have the technology today. We may not be able to afford it. We are gonna have to budget for it for next year or the year after to have uh, true omni-channel uh, capabilities. But let's start developing an omni-channel mentality now. I think that may be a takeaway for uh, people listening is that you can start, you know, forming your omni-channel mentality even before you have all of the capabilities to do it. It will mean that people will be prepped for the technology when it comes, and it will actually push uh, probably the whole organization toward the omni-channel capabilities sooner. I think that is a critical starting point, right? You have to have some senior leadership own the idea that this is what we're going to embrace. But I think the other part of it is that we find often is companies don't have expertise in implementing those things. They don't know what they don't know. They've never actually knocked down those silos. They've never run a system where they've integrated some of these other medias. And so when they need to go do that, sometimes they have to look outside of their organization. If they don't have people internally, they can actually help them get there. Because there's a lot of people that bite off more than they could chew. They'll say, yeah, I want to start doing SMS. I want to start doing email. I want to start doing social media. And they just do it, and it just becomes another siloed product where it doesn't perform well. And now their customers are getting another avenue to have a poor experience, right? And so I think it's also really important that it's not just having the mindset. It's also making sure that you take ownership of what you don't know and finding how do you get those gaps filled so that if you are going to implement those strategies, that they're done appropriately. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, do that. Inform yourself. Uh, but also look outside your organization for folks who have embraced it, who have experience with it, and who can help you uh, to get there faster and better and without making the mistakes that others have had. Because, you know, you take uh, professionals like yourself, like others, uh, you know, they've seen it before. They understand where the potholes are. And uh, by, you know, embracing a partner that can really help you get to where you need to get, uh, it's going to leverage you to a better place quicker. Totally agree. Now, you've had a great milestone. You've hit 150 episodes on your podcast. First of all, congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, I'd love to have that someday. But, you know, for anyone who's interested, go check out Call Talk. Um, you know, look at it on whatever podcast app that you have. Now, since you're obviously a fellow podcaster, um, there's been some things I've always wanted to know. You got any insights from your experience on it? Anything you could share? Well, first of all, thanks so much. I mean, it's been quite a ride. It's been gratifying to get uh, so much positive feedback since 2009 when we started this. So we've been going continuously since 2009 on a monthly basis. So uh, we really feel we've made a positive impact. But, uh, you know, Christian, hey, you, you got this nailed. Uh, <laughs> uh, the important thing is to leverage your passion for our industry and to share your best insights with your audience. And when you do that, and when you've got uh, people who are able to share along with you, uh, then that's really what this is all about. 
it's not any more complicated than that. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've always found helpful for me, and I learned a long time ago, is surround yourself with people smarter than you. So every time I come on to another episode, I'm always surrounded with people that are really smart and have a lot of experience. So it's a great learning experience for myself and obviously for our audience as well. They get to learn things about uh, people that didn't look at the contact center space as where they were going to find their next chapter in their career. And you get to see people's journeys into that space and the wonderful things you're doing. So obviously one of the things outside of work, of course, because like many of us, we do work a lot, but we have to find ways to unwind, how to disconnect. Anything in particular that's your favorite that you like to disconnect from work? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, swimming. I do a lot of uh, pool swimming. And I also, being here in Santa Barbara, do uh, swimming in the, the ocean, which is good. Uh, there's an organization called Reef and Run here, so you can... Uh, your competitions. In fact, this evening, I'm going to be doing a one mile out of the ocean. And uh, at the end of the month, I'm slated to do another uh, Alcatraz swim from from, oh, wow. from Alcatraz, yeah, uh, to, to San Francisco. So that, that that's a lot of fun. And then, you know, reading, spending time with my family is what I really enjoy doing. Uh, wow. I mentioned also that I'm a member of Rotary here in Santa mm -hmm. Barbara, Barbara and assistant style master for the last decade. And uh, also very active in the Italian community here in, in Santa Barbara, which is a lot of fun, uh, fun people, a lot of fun people and rewarding. So, yeah, those are the things that I do to unwind. Well, fantastic. I, I, sometime we're going to have to talk about that cold water uh, going through Alcatraz. But for another time, so we're running out of time today. But I want to make sure that everyone knows how to get a hold of you. There's there got to be people on here that said, I need to talk to Bruce. I need to sync up with Benchmark Portal. How do they connect with you? Sure. Uh, please write to me at Bruce. Uh, forget the last name because it's a little bit tough. You can either do Bruce Belfiore at BenchmarkPortal.com or just Bruce at BenchmarkPortal.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from all of you, so please do get in touch. Um, and remember the special offer for a Nobel Biz discount uh, for our online courses, if you'd like to do that as well. Well, Bruce, that was very generous of you and Benchmark Portal. Obviously, for those of you who hadn't heard of Bruce or Benchmark Portal, you got to go connect with them. You have to see what they're doing. It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for joining us today. And everyone, keep listening, and we're going to catch you on next episode. Thank you, Christian. If you like what you're hearing, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check out our YouTube channel for exclusive clips. Like us, rate us, review us. If you want to hear more on our take on coronavirus, remote work, and contact centers, go to NobelBiz.com and click on webinars to see our recorded on-demand webinars. Thanks for listening to First Contact Stories of the Call Center. My name is Christian Montez, and we'll be back soon with our next episode. This podcast has been hosted by me, Christian Montez, produced, written, and edited by Bogdan Minutes, with co-executive producers Steve Biederman, Christian Montez, and Bogdan Minutes.